Hello, City First Church family. I want to welcome everyone online right now that's joining us. Come on. Cape Coral, Southwest Florida, we love you very much. And also, God Behind Bars, Dixon and Hardy. Man, we love you guys. And you know what? Everyone here is Spring Creek in a state line location. We are excited because we are in this iconic series. We're talking about the fact that you and I, as Christ followers, are God's icon. In fact, you know, our theme verse is found in Romans, and it goes like this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image or the icon of his son. In other words, we're constantly being conformed into the likeness and the image or the icon of Jesus. So we're talking about his image and how to take on his image, you could say. If you've been around um, City First or even the original women's conference, which right, right now is just around the corner up here in Northern Illinois, and, and here's a little plug, ladies. Please register, all right? There's limited in-person attendance, and then there's online attendance. But either way, it's going to be powerful. Please register, all right? But if you have been a part of Original, or you've been a part of our church for any amount of time, you know that we have a special relationship with a ministry named Zoe. And Zoe is a Christian organization. And get this. They rescue at-risk children out of human trafficking as well as educate kids and parents how not to fall into the trap of human trafficking. And it is a phenomenal, and I'm telling you, it is a phenomenal ministry. In fact, it's located in Thailand and Japan and Australia and Mexico and even here in America and L.A. And, and they make it their mission to share Jesus and abolish human trafficking. And the founders, Mike and Carol Hart, are good friends friends of Jen and myself, and, and we've been supporting them as a church now and the original conference for over a decade, but these people, I'm telling you, they are heavenly heroes, I'm telling you. Uh, they are just great people. They used to own a business, for those of you who don't know, in Hollywood. They worked in the movie industry. Um, they were making a lot of money. They, they, they provided equipment that was like the infrastructure to help actually film movies off location, it, you know, on site, outside of a studio. Studio, and they made a lot of money. It was a multi, multi-million dollar business, and they gave it all up. Now get this, they sold everything, gave it all up, even personal possessions, to start this ministry to help rescue kids out of human trafficking. I mean, I I'm telling you, I know God doesn't call everybody to do that. I'm not saying that, but these people are amazing. Well, in August of 2019, back when we could travel, right, before the coronavirus, uh, Connor, Jen, and my middle son, uh, Connor and I went on a missions trip over to Thailand, to their Thailand location, and went on a Zoe missions trip. And, and you know, Jen and I have been there multiple times. It's a life-changing experience. Some of you have been there, and you know it is, is really a heavenly hotspot, you could say. Well, we spent a week going into the hill tribes of western Thailand. And what we would do is, Connor and myself and the team, we would go into these like areas literally in the bush. I mean, we'd have to, to drive for hours on these terrible dirt roads. And we would go to these places where there were these schools. And we would do these school assemblies. We'd educate whole schools about the dangers of human trafficking. In fact, right here, this is a picture of Connor. He's actually performing a song in front of one of the schools. And you can see there's just hundreds of kids in the room. 
room, and it was just, uh, it was a life-changing experience. Well, on the day that we had to return back to America, on the way to the airport, we had some time to blow off, and so uh, Mike and Carol and a couple other friends took Connor and I to their mall in Chiang Mai, and it was a really nice mall. I mean, like, it had a North Face, it had, like, a Bose store, which I think every mall has a Bose store, but anyway, you know, it was a really nice mall, and so we're just kind of walking around, and there was this really high-end guitar store, and Connor loves playing guitar. In fact, right now he's in college going into music business. He loves music. And, and so we went into this guitar store, and, and, and Connor was in heaven. It had all these high-end guitars, and he's trying different ones. And so, you know, Mike and Carol and I and some friends are just standing there watching, and he's playing guitars, and Carol turns to me. No joke. She turns to me, and she says this, I'm going to buy him that guitar. And I turned to her, and I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah. She goes, I could tell Connor loves that guitar he's playing. I am going to buy him that guitar. And I'm like, wait, no. I'm like, you're not going to buy him that guitar. And she goes, no, no, really, I am. I, I am going to buy him that guitar. Mike and I are going to buy him the guitar. We're going to bless him. And I, I go, Carol, and, and you got to understand, her and I, we're good friends. Mike and I are good friends. I, I turn to Carol and I go, Carol, shut up. I go, you are not going to buy Connor my guitar or that guitar. You're, not, you're just not going to do it. I go, I go That's, you're crazy. And she goes, no, I am. And I looked at her, and finally I turned on that Dutch obstinate side of me, and I looked, and I go, I go, Carol, I love you. You are not going to do it. I am not going to allow missionaries to buy a guitar, an expensive guitar at that, for my son. You are on the front lines. You're literally rescuing kids out of human trafficking, and you're going to buy my son a guitar? No. If anything, I should be buying you guys guitars, you know? And Carol finally, you know, she's a little obstinate too, you know, if you know her. And she finally, she goes, okay, that's fine. And this is what she said. She said, I just can't help it. I want to bless people. And I thought, wow. I mean, that is such and amazing. That day, I, I was reminded once again why Mike and Carol are just heavenly heroes. I mean, honestly, they see the world differently. They live in a world, literally, of generosity. They've given away everything to continually have a life of giving to others, rescuing others, helping others, right? They're truly icons of Jesus. And here's what I know. The reason I tell that story is this is what I know. Generosity is a worldview. I want you to think about this. Generosity is a worldview. In fact, it says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says, the world, get this, the world, the world or the worldview of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The world of the generous, it's a world. The worldview of the generous person gets bigger and bigger. And conversely, a worldview of a stingy person, their world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So here's my question. What's the square footage of your world? Is it big or is it tiny because your life is confined to your worldview? So you see, all of us 
all of us have a worldview of money. I, I don't care if you're eight years old or 80 years old, you have a worldview of money. The question is, do you have an iconic worldview? In other words, a Jesus-informed, Jesus-centered worldview. The world of the generous see opportunities to be more generous. Carol saw an opportunity to be more generous. And it was so out of the box, so counterintuitive, quite honestly, I couldn't accept it. Later on, I thought to myself, Jeremy, were you resistant to Mike and Carol buying that guitar because they're missionaries and so it's a principal thing? Or were you defiant because, listen, you were exposed to a different worldview that you have not yet comprehended? <laughs> See, today, I'm going to expose us to a biblical worldview of generosity, and it's going to solicit all kinds of responses. Oh, I know what they are already. Some of you are going to go, oh, here's this megachurch pastor talking about money again. And then some of you are going to be like, that's the best sermon I've heard in my, my entire life because you just, you lean into it. Some of you are going to be like, Jerry, you don't know my situation, my finances, how much money is in my bank account. You don't understand. There's going to be all kinds of responses today. And this is what I know. Whatever response you have, it's because of your worldview. It really is. And see, you see, most of the time, our worldview of generosity has been framed by our upbringing our parents or our guardians, whoever it was that brought us up, our upbringing and our life experiences. That is how we frame our worldview of generosity. It has little to do with how much money we have. In fact, I know people with very little money who have a worldview of generosity and their world keeps getting larger and larger and larger. And I conversely know people that have a lot of money and they have a very stingy worldview, and their world continually gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It has nothing to do with the amount of money you have. It is all about the kind of world you want to live in. Do you want to live in a large world, or do you want to live in a small world? It's up to you. See, because rarely is someone just naturally generous. I mean, you remember when you were a kid? You probably don't remember this. You are too young, but your parents definitely would. What was one of the first words that came out of your mouth? Mine. Mine, 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 mine. I mean, I, we have a great school here connected to our Spring Creek location. I can take you into the PK3 and PK4 rooms, and guess what? You're going to hear mine, mine, mine a lot because naturally we're always fighting against this carnal nature of selfishness. It was in us from the very beginning. So generosity is a worldview that you create. Do you understand that? In fact, all of us must continually grow in our generosity. Our world should be getting bigger and bigger and bigger as we follow Jesus. Generosity can be expressed in an act, but it is really proven in a lifestyle. Some of us, we, we were like, well, I was generous last year at Christmas. And I say, great, but guess what? That was an act of generosity. Generosity in your worldview is actually proven in a lifestyle. It's the world you live in, not the moment. Does that make sense? Generosity is not just about money, okay? It's about your time, it's about your resource, it's about your words, about, it's about a lot of things, but listen to me, it is also including your money. So don't think to yourself, well, you know what, I was, I was generous on Facebook with some words, and so therefore, that's good. No, listen, it includes your wallet, too. So what does a generous worldview look like? What does it look like? Well, first, a generous worldview, it has an optimistic tone. An optimistic tone. It, said, it says in Proverbs, 
chapter 10. I, I love this verse. It says, the lips of the righteous feed many. Think about that. Your lips, your words of the righteous, meaning someone who is in right standing with God, feeds many. But fools die for lack of sense. I mean, your words, they feed. A generous person has life-giving words. They're builders, not destroyers. They help. They do not hurt with their words. Does that make sense? In fact, I believe you cannot have a cynical tone and a generous tone at the same time. You can't have it. You can't be cynical and generous at the same time. It's impossible. Opposites will not attract in that manner. Instead, they polarize. And so this is the thing. The tone of our culture right now, it is cynical. It is critical. It is negative. It is combating. It is canceling. It is fault-finding. That's why our world is becoming smaller and smaller. See, I watch people who live in a constant state of negativity, and, and they live lives that are becoming narrow and full of more and more offense. In other words, their lives are getting heavier, not lighter, not freer. In fact, many times I would say the people that give the most criticism towards City First Church are the ones that give the least and serve the least. They're rich in opinion, but they're poor in generosity. See, okay, I won't go off on that, all right? <laughs> but the words of the righteous, the words of the righteous, they feed others. You know, uh, a few years ago, um, because of the generosity of some people, actually, I got a, a, a grill that's a smoker. It's a big green egg, for those of you who know anything about grills that, you know, used to smoke things and stuff. So anyway, um, a group of friends got together and gave me uh, a smoker, and, and I was super blown away by it. And I'm not the best barbecuer in the world. In fact, um, I like trying, though, and I, I tell you, I love me some good brisket and some good ribs, you know. And um, here's a pick, actually. This is the last brisket that I just smoked. It was beforehand, obviously. It's size, this thing's the size of like a small Volkswagen Bug. I mean, it's like huge. Um, but a brisket, if you know anything about smoking brisket, it can take forever. It can literally take all day because you do it low and slow. And you know what? It just kind of begins to just make the meat tender, and, and it's just amazing. And it can take all day. And so all day, whenever I smoke a brisket, literally the entire house and yard just smells of barbecue. And, and like by dinner time, I'm telling you, the family is ready. Like when I come walking in with the brisket, it's like I'm the king. I'm walking in. I'm like, allow me to feed you. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. It's like this moment. It's a magical moment. And, and this is what I know. I know that it feels like I'm providing something that has a lot of love and preparation and goodness in it. People, when they see you coming, they should be excited because you, with your words, are going to feed them with a lot of love, prepared in a healthy heart, and it's full of a lot of goodness. It's going to nourish them. It's going to nourish their soul that's hungry for affirmation, hungry for love, hungry in this negative culture. And instead, you're coming along in the righteous. The righteous is coming with a platter of love and preparation and, and soul-nourishing words. Does that make sense? Speak God's blessing over your world, and it will grow. Speak God's goodness over your world, and it will grow. Be generous with your words and your life and your world will grow. 
I will also say that a, a generous worldview is deliberate. In other words, generosity just doesn't happen accidentally. I mean, it's not like generous people are just accidentally generous. Oops, I was generous today. No, that's not how it works. It, it, it's deliberate. In fact, it says in Isaiah 32, verse 8, but generous people plan. Turn the person next to you right now and say plan. One, two, three, plan, right? Plan, what do they plan? Plan to do what is generous. In other words, generous people plan it. It's not, it's not by mistake. And they stand firm in their generosity. You see, you have to choose to be generous, and then you stand firm in that choice regardless of the circumstances. Some of us were generous at one point, then we got tired. And some of us were generous before 2020. But then 2020 happened. Now, now listen, I understand. There are seasons where you can be more generous. I, I get that, and that is legit. So don't, please, no guilt. No shade here, okay? I get it, all right? But there will be plenty of reasons to not be generous in your life, even outside of pandemics. You see, you have to have a generous worldview. It's not dependent on what's going on around you or anything like that, but, but that you constantly plan and commit to be generous. People think to themselves, oh, I'll be generous someday when I get more money. But that's, that's, that's a lie. Can I just call that out for a minute? I'm going to call it out. That's a lie because here's the thing. It isn't easier when you have more money. It's actually harder many times to be generous when you have more money. In fact, statistics and, and different studies will prove that, prove that the more money you make, the less generous many times you become. So, so this is the thing. You've got to choose a life you want to be remembered for. That's a very important statement I just said. You need to choose a life that you want to be remembered for. You don't want to be remembered for being stingy. You want to be remembered for being generous, right? Also, I'll tell you, a generous worldview attracts God's blessing. It attracts the blessing of God. It's literally like a tractor being. Generous people are joyful people because guess what? When you're generous, you become joyful. You're never going to hear anybody being described as joyful and stingy at the same time. Wow, they're joyfully stingy. No, that's, that's impossible. In fact, the stingiest people are the most miserable people. And sometimes you look at the joyful people, and it's because, guess what? They're just full of generosity. You know, they have a pep in their step, you could say. Well, why is that? Well, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It's the tractor beam of God's blessing. It's a boomerang effect that what you give away, you will get back. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Some of you heard this before, but sowing and reaping, it's, it's, it's all throughout the Bible, but here in Galatians, it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, not sometimes, you will always harvest what you plant. If you put a kernel of corn in the dirt, it's not going to spring up an apple tree. You got to understand that what you sow, what you plant, you will always reap. So if you plant stinginess, you're going to have a world that shrinks. You're going to have a God that cannot bless because he can't bless stinginess. But if you plant seeds of generosity, guess what? When you refresh others, you yourself are going to be refreshed by others, but most importantly, by God. Many times, people hear sowing and reaping in the negative, but I want to turn it on its head for a moment. It's also in the positive. This is a principle of blessing. You want joy? Give joy. Sow joy. And someday, you're going to reap joy. You want love? 
then guess what? Give love, and you're going to receive love someday. Plant blessing, and you will get blessing. It works in the positive, because some of us go, oh, sowing and reaping, God's going to hammer me someday. No, no, listen, God wants to bless you, so guess what? Plant seeds of generosity. Some of us are waiting for someone else to be generous to us. Maybe God's waiting on you to be generous first. See, we don't, we don't give to get, so don't misinterpret this, because, I mean, there's been sometimes theology and churches out there that preach about giving to get. That's not what we believe here at City First. You don't give to get. You, we're generous because we're honoring God, and we're trying to live an iconic life, all right? But I will tell you, when you're generous, it triggers the blessing of a generous God. So guess what? You don't give to get, but guess you get the blessing of God. God provides for you in ways that, that honestly, he can only get the credit for. And, and I've had testimonies like that. There's been literally hundreds, I would even say thousands of testimonies at City First throughout the years about this. In fact, I hear from people all the time that they start being generous with, with God. They become a generosity rock star. They start tithing. They start giving to legacy. They start doing these things, and all of a sudden, God opens up windows of having a blessing and pours out blessing on their lives. Generosity gets the attention of a generous God. Do you hear that? I would say this lastly, that generosity, that worldview, that generous worldview, makes an eternal difference too. This is so important. A friend of mine by the name of Lee Domain, he uses a term called E-R-O-I. E-R-O-I. Now many of us have heard ROI, which means return on investment, right? Um, but he has coined E-R-O-I. He says this, Lee says, when you're generous in the name of Jesus and you do things in the love of Jesus and you support the work of Jesus, it has an eternal return on investment, E-R-O-I, a return, eternal return on investment. It's not just temporary. It's not just that your 401K grows, but rather instead that in heaven there is treasure, there are results, there's people. Does that make sense? Because of your generosity, that it really moves the needle of eternity, you could say. In fact, God talks about this in the Old Testament. He's talking to one of the heroes of the faith named Abraham. And many of you have heard of Abraham, like Father Abraham had many sons. All right? That's the Abraham, right? And at this time in the story, his name is Abram. All right? His name's Abram. And God says he's going to bless Abram. And, and what does he say about this blessing? Well, we see this in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. God is speaking to Abram, and he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you abundantly. Somebody say amen. I will make your name great, exalted, distinguished. See, up until this point, we're all like, yes, that's what I want. I want God to speak that over me. I want him to make me great. I want him to bless me abundantly. I want my name or my reputation to be exalted and distinguished. I want my life to stand out. But here, this is why. There's a reason why. And you shall be a blessing. So the blessing is so that you become a blessing, Abram a source of great good to others. Do you hear that? A source of great good. In other words, there's purpose behind the blessing. Turn the person next to you and say, there's purpose behind the blessing. Come on, do it right now, right? God has given you everything you have 
for a purpose. Your money, your talent, your mind, your connections, your abilities, and your time on this earth. And God's blessing is not for us to be selfish, but rather with every heavenly blessing comes a heavenly purpose. Do you hear that? That you are blessed to bless. The reason why God has blessed you is not to hoard it. The reason he's blessed you is so that you now become a blessing, a source of blessing to others. I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, uh, I'm talking to everybody else. No, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to each of us. All of us are blessed in some form or fashion. We're blessed in some way with not just some money, but also with talent and time and abilities and our words. We are blessed, all right? So we must invest those blessings into others and have E-R-O-I, that someday when we get to heaven, the result of our generosity shows up on the other side. Do you hear that? You see, uh, I love this idea of E-R-O-I. And, and what, is, what does Jesus say about iconic generosity, you could say, as we close? Well, these are the words of Jesus. I'm going to read for you what he says about being iconic in our generosity. He doesn't use those terms, iconic generosity, but this is what he's saying about how we should be generous and how we should give. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Don't store up treasures. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can erode away and may be stolen. Store them in heaven where they will never lose their value and are safe from thieves. Now listen to this line. If your prophets are in heaven, your heart will be there too. If your prophets, some of us are all about making a profit at work. And I'm wrong with that, by the way. But listen, if your prophets are all here on earth, that's where your heart is going to be. But guess what? If your generosity brings profit into other people's lives, if it profits the kingdom work of God, if it profits others and blesses others, guess what? Your heart is going to be in heaven. You're going to have a heavenly heart. You're going to be like Mike and Carol, who are heroes. They're iconic. They see the world differently. They see the world through a worldview of generosity. And how can they give so that someday treasures are laid up in heaven? People go to heaven they're doing everything they can. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether you're a banker, a teacher, a business person, whether you are an artist or a barista, a pastor. It doesn't matter what you do. That's your career. May our hearts be plugged into the heartbeat of heaven. May we be doing things with our lives, giving with our resources so that treasures are laid up in heaven. Here's the thing. E-R-O-I -E should be our greatest motivation. And if eternity is the true motivation, ladies and gentlemen, the stuff of this life is the biggest distraction. You hear what I just said? If, if eternity is the true motivation, then the stuff of this life, that's the biggest distraction. And some of us, we've been distracted. We've been distracted. Today, today, I'm telling you, generosity is the goal.
iconic generosity, irrational generosity. That's the goal. Because when we do that, our hearts are plugged into heaven and we have E-R-O-I. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every person that is watching this. And God, I realize that today it's solicited all kinds of responses, but may we realize those responses are because of a worldview. God, we want to have an iconic worldview, an iconic generosity. So Lord, I pray that we would have a view of our life that truly is generous and it would become bigger and bigger and bigger, not a worldview of stinginess that makes our life smaller and smaller and smaller. Thank you, God. It has to be a spiritual work. It has to be something you do inside of us by your Holy Spirit, but we have to be willing. So help us to stretch. Help us to get out of our comfort zone and into a world of generosity. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.